So legacy media, what does that mean? That means the cable and satellite programming people have consumed for so long. It's changing drastically. And what do I mean by that? I'm being kind in, in terms of saying it's dying. What I, what, what I should actually say is it's changing. And a lot of the legacy media is struggling to keep up. Why? Because media has become so much more consumer driven. What I mean by that is we look at Netflix. When Netflix decides if they want to continue a series, they take a look at how much was consumed, how long was it consumed, and that's the decision they're making in the content create. It's actually driven by how the consumer uses it. It's not just a 24-hour news cycle being pushed out there and telling you what you have to watch. They're looking at what the consumer does and how the consumer uses it. That's where new media comes into this. Can you be the extraordinary human being you're designed to be? Welcome back to Training Tuesday here on the Rob Manus Show Live on the Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the facts and the truth. You know, they're all around us in our daily lives, men and women who've become extraordinary through hard work and good ideas. Our creator, God, designed each of us for peak performance, but not all of us get there. Have you wondered why and how you can approach life differently to reach your best life as a dad, a mom, a husband, wife, or a professional? And why should we do that anyway? Well, look at the world around you and open your eyes. Humanity is in dire need of extraordinary human beings to lead, to create literature, to conduct science, and lear expand learning, to entertain, to have children, most importantly, and raise those children to become productive citizens to fill the same roles. You won't find your path or any answers these days on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, or NBC, as these are the legacy media outlets that my guest today just talked about in that opening clip. And they've become what the founders of America feared, controlled, by governments and corporations instead of being independent and working for us. Well, today's guest wrote the book on ordinary human beings becoming extraordinary. Jeremy Ryan Slate is the host of the Create Your Own Life podcast, which studies the highest performers in the world, as well as the chief executive officer of Command Your Brand. He holds a BA from Seton Hall University in Catholic theology and world religions with a concentration in Judaism. He also studied Catholic literature at Oxford University, as well as having a master's degree in Roman emperor worship from Seton Hall University. His podcast was named the number one podcast to listen to by Inc. Magazine in 2019, as well as top 40 under 40 by Podcast Magazine in 2022. He's the author of the best-selling book, Unremarkable to Extraordinary, Ignite Your Passion to Go from Passive Observer to Creator of Your Own Life in addition to the upcoming book, Command Your Brand, Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence in the New Media Landscape. Jeremy Ryan Slate, welcome to The Rob Manus Show, sir. It's good to see you. Colonel Manus, thank you so much for uh, for having me. It's, it's uh, good to see you again, sir. Well, hey, man. Uh... I've wanted to get you on the show since you had me on your show as a guest. What you talked about uh, in your writings and your podcast excites me as somebody who is 62 and working on his third career, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, uh, 
because the things that you talk about and the things that you write are what I learned from my mentors, starting with my mother and father and, and all throughout my military career. Uh, and so your, your ideas really speak to me. Uh, and uh, that's the main reason I wanted to get you back on here uh, is to talk about the podcast and the book uh, uh, and the future books and your company and those kind of things. Uh, uh, but also to talk about you and your, your experiences. You almost have as many degrees as I do, I think. Uh, three masters, uh, a bachelor's, and an associate's is where I'm at. So anyway, <laughs> uh, 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 I'm excited. Uh, I'm sorry I'm talking so long. I'm excited. I need to just ask you this basic question. How did you get where you're at today? Because what I just read is pretty extraordinary anyway. How did I get where I'm at today? I think the bigger part of it, Colonel Manis, is curiosity. I think a lot of us, when we approach life, we approach it thinking we know everything about it. And for me, I've always been somebody approaching something with there's to learn, there's more to do, there's more to experience. And I came from a really hardworking family. My dad was somebody that um, he didn't finish high school because um, he thought he was going to play professional baseball. And he did until he had an injury. And once that was over, he became somebody that started the machine shop at a company, worked his way up to being the person running that company. And so I've learned from that hard work and I've learned from a lot from life experience. And for me, I'm always looking at what is that next thing I can learn? What is that next thing I can apply? And that's the same thing that I do with my own kids. You know, like, what can we learn today? What can we take home today? And frankly, um, I can appreciate what you were talking about with a lot of your schooling as well, because I think we've lost classical education, man. I think that is the biggest thing missing. We don't read things like Livy. We don't read... Uh, Leviticus. We don't read all these different things and, and learn about history. We don't learn about religion. And I think it's one of the biggest things missing in our world. There's so much experience from it. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, uh, uh, it wasn't that long ago, really, at, at least at the university level, my last uh, or, or my biggest, the most challenging master's degrees was at Harvard's Kennedy School. And uh, we read things like Thucydides uh, uh, when we were uh, looking at uh, geopolitical strategies and, uh, and those kind of things to give us a basis mm -hmm. to look at modern times and how decisions should be made. Uh, to avoid the pitfalls that the ancients uh, made. That's, that's the kind of education uh, that uh, we're supposed to be getting, you know, and, and, and listening to you talk about that, and I, and I, and I read part, uh, parts of your book, uh, there was a, the segment on education, it made me think back to my teachers in junior high and high school, especially, especially in junior high and high school. Uh, and my seventh grade art teacher was a man about five foot tall named David Walker, but he was so excited to get to teach us uh, 13 year olds about things like Pygmalion and walk us through the story of Pygmalion or My Fair Lady, uh, uh, if you want to talk about, it. and those types uh, of studies uh, for a whole year. I mean, it excited me, and I come from a military. I was a military kid, so I come from. I had just come from living in in Morocco for two years when I went into that class, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, so I was used to thinking about the world in a way uh, that was more pragmatic and mathematical, and uh, uh, you know, a sense of right and wrong, instead of from an art perspective. I don't know that. P 
people get that level of education in seventh grade anymore. You know, in my ninth grade civics class, my teacher uh, uh, there, she didn't just teach us about the government of the United States and how it's supposed to work. She taught us the foundational philosophies uh, uh, before that. You know, so you could have a basic understanding of why things were the way they are. I don't think that we teach that way anymore. Well, I think because the bigger issue is we're not teaching people how to think, right? We're 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 indoctrinating in a lot of ways, and I think that is the single biggest problem. If you look at schools and how they function, um, they're they're not giving application. That is one of the single mm-hmm. biggest things. They're not seeing a subject, and they're they're learning that subject and doing that subject. They're just getting theory, 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 and they're also not fully understanding what they're doing. And then you have kind of the other part of it as well is, um, I don't remember if we talked about this on my show, but if you look at it as well, like with what's happened with Marxism and education, you look at what came out of Brazil with Paulo Ferreira in the 80s, getting picked up in American colleges education. And now at the same time, you have this Marxism coming into education and we're not looking at a math problem. We're looking at, you know, if uh, Johnny took a half an hour to get to the amusement park, well, what things can we learn about this from a critical perspective? Well, does everybody go to the amusement park? Does everybody's family take to the amusement park? Rather than like looking at the mathematical way we get there, we're looking at all these things that don't really matter getting to that end product. And those are the things that have gained significance. We're not really looking at what can kids learn, what can they apply, and what can they do. And instead, we're, we're really giving people credit for these participation trophies and dividing society instead. Yeah, that's, a, that's another part of your book that I really enjoyed because, you know, I used to give a talk when I was a squadron commander uh, where I had uh, 84 officers, they're all college graduates, uh, uh, military aviators, uh, and the B-1 bomber working directly for me. And one of the talks that I would give to them uh, was, uh, life is not Uh, Mm T-ball, was the title of the talk. And it's exactly what you're talking about. We we cannot live real life uh, as if we're going to get a participation trophy because everybody yes. doesn't win. And what generated me to create that uh, in the year 2004 and five and six is when I was given that talk uh, is that I had officers. Now, these are college educated people that have been in the Air Force two to four years uh, by this time actually say to me, uh, well, you don't give me a chance to do X, Y or Z, but so-and-so does, and then I would bring them in my office and, and I would ask them why you asked me that question, you know, give me the background on where you're coming from. And invariably it would be, well, so-and-so always keeps getting picked for this. Well, the so-and-so they were talking about was the star performer in the squadron every single time. I mean, the, the person, we had multiple star performers, so, but it was that sure. type of individual that had, that had worked hard. I mean, I mean, things weren't just given to them. They worked harder than everybody else. And that's why I started giving that talk about life is not T-ball, folks. Uh, it's competitive. Uh, and as a military officer in the United States military, it's one of the most competitive uh, cultural environments, environments you're ever going to see because you compete against each other for everything. Uh, everything. Uh, and uh, once I started talking to people straight up like that, guess what? Their performance changed for the better. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think when you look at it too, Colonel Manis, I think one of the biggest problems that as well is we've created this society where it's looked at as it's okay if you lose, right? And I think there, there's value in losing if you take that yeah. and learn how to never lose again. But I think a lot yeah. of people look at that and they say, okay, well, you had 
this issue or this problem. So, you know, let's get you this doctor, let's get you this pill, or, you know, let's get you classified mm-hmm. as this thing rather than like, how are we going to do better? Like, it makes me think of, you know, when I played baseball, I was a really good shortstop. The issue I ran into mm-hmm. is the coach's son was also a shortstop. He was terrible, but he was the coach's son. And yeah. so because of that, he started starting over me and I started riding the bench. So what did I do? I grabbed my dad. I got him to take me out to the baseball field every night and hit fly balls to me for three or four hours every single night until he ran a daylight. And I became the best center fielder on that team. And that is how you do it. You look at like, okay, so this is the opportunity I'm given. This is what I have to do to get there. And, and this is how I'm going to take advantage of that. But so many times, and that's why I think sports is such a great way to learn so much about our society. You look at somebody like Tom Brady. Um, yeah. I'm a Packers fan, so I feel like I'm allowed to allowed to, to like Tom Brady anyway. <laughs> but if you, look, if you look at it, you know, he's somebody that his senior year of high school, he barely started. His senior year of college, he barely started. Gets drafted mm-hmm. in the sixth round, and he studied harder. He worked harder. He didn't have any great physical abilities other than being tall. So I think at the same time, there is so much value in hard work, and that's what we need to be showing our kids and teaching our kids. Not, you know, it's great that you tried. It's great that you showed up, and that's really all you need to do in life. That is a yeah. formula to failing, and that is why we're falling behind countries like China and other countries in the world with our academics. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, this is a live broadcast show, so I have to do commercials, Jeremy. So we have to take a commercial <laughs> break real quick. We'll be right back with uh, Jerry, Jeremy Ryan Slate, author, uh, number one podcaster, uh, just a fantastic guy. You got to get this book. Uh, because, and at the end of the show, we'll show you the book cover again and talk about where to get it. And we'll, we'll, we'll be right back after this message. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. Listen up, folks. Bidenomics is not working. Obviously, the U.S. dollar is losing value and your hard-earned savings are at risk. You can act now, just like it says in the commercial, before it's too late. One straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact our friends over at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833, the number 2, USA Gold. That's 833-287-2465. Or you can go to the website at protectfrombiden.com. 
Com. Well, welcome back to the Rob Mina Show. We're talking with our guest, uh, Jeremy Ryan Slate, who is a host uh, of a great podcast, Create Your Own Life, author of uh, a great book that's already out and another one coming out, and a CEO of his own company, Command Your Brand. Uh, Jeremy, before we went to the break, you were talking about Tom Brady, uh, but you touched on a concept that you go pretty in-depth in, in the book about, and that is uh, preparation plus opportunity, this is the way I took it, preparation plus opportunity creates the, the moment, the ability to meet whatever moment comes to you to become extraordinary. Uh, yes. And uh, I've had that same thing happen in my life, uh, 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 especially in my military career. That's how I was able to be successful, is I had prepared and prepared and prepared and prepared. And when the moment came, I was ready for it. Uh, same thing happened to Tom Brady, right? Well, if you look at it, if, if uh, Drew Bledsoe doesn't almost get killed on the field by Mo Lewis, then there, yeah. there's no way that Tom Brady eventually becomes a starter. And I, I know I'm going to hurt a lot of Patriots fans' feelings out there, but you know, as bad as the Patriots have been the last few seasons, it looks like it looks like it might have been not long. I don't know. Like, if you look at it, there is so much value continually becoming yeah. the best of your, the best version of yourself because even in professional sports, the best player is 1% better than the worst. And you have to look at every single area in your life. If you want to become, you know, well-known, if you want to become a thought leader, if you want to do all these different things, it is 1% better. You have to become the next person next to you. You have to get that edge, whether that's showing up in the gym earlier, whether that's, you know, you look at Jocko Willink every morning puts up the, uh, the picture of his watch and he shows you what time he's getting up because he's going to get up earlier than everybody else and be ready earlier. And I think that is how you have to look at it. rather than, what is society going to do for me? What is society going to give me? What are you going to figure out how to get by, you know, becoming the first to show up, becoming the best and continually improving? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, and I find it interesting. Uh, you make the point in your book to tell people that this book is not about uh, 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 telling you how to be successful. It's not one of those type of books. Uh, I mean, you take the concepts that starting with yourself and what you learned, like you talked about with your dad, uh, uh, what he learned and, and how you learned it and talk about, and you talk about your beginnings, uh, and all the things that you went through to, that led you to, uh, where you're at today. Uh, and you had to do some things and chose to do some things that you didn't like. Uh, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, there's one whole part of the book that's dedicated to doing things that you don't like. I think it's titled, uh, don't find your passion or something like that. Did I get the words right? Uh, but, uh, when I first read the title, I'm like, Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, but you're exactly right. You know, uh, uh, and, and there's a couple other concepts in the book that I really, that really jumped out at me. We'll talk about, uh, two before the show's over, but that one, really jumped out at me because, you know, my own personal success as a navigator in the United States Air Force wasn't my first choice, uh, but because I hate math and I had to become (laughs) a celestial jet navigator uh, in order to get my wings, I had to do the math and I hate it. And I spent 25 years flying uh, and became a master navigator aeronautical rating before it was all over with uh, uh, because I, the thing that I hated the most, I had to make myself be the best at. And that's exactly the way it worked for me. And that really stood out. I don't think a lot of people see that or understand that when they're going through it. 
but it's as well like i think it's something you know i'm closing in on 40 i'm i'm 36 almost 37 and i think it's something especially my generation doesn't really get frankly they think that and and i don't know if it's things that have been spouted through school through the years or you know it's the, the further we get away from difficult times the 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 less we care about that stuff i'm not really sure there's a lot of things that can lead us there but people think that you're going to go to school for something you're going to love that thing you're going to get out of this you're going to get out they're going to give you a mm-hmm. job and that it's going to be amazing and that's just not life there's a, a really great book by a guy named cal newport and it's called so good they can't ignore you it's based on the uh the, the concept is based on the the autobiography of steve martin one day they asked steve you know steve you're this recognized author people know you everywhere you've been on saturday night live like how did you get this way he goes i just worked and worked and worked and showed up and took every opportunity and so i was so good people couldn't ignore me and I think that's where the passion really comes in, is you get really good at something, you continue to improve at that thing, you learn how to do it better than anybody else, it becomes effortless, and then you're so good that people can't ignore you. That's where the passion comes in. I think to, to think you're gonna be passionate before you do something is crazy, because you may not know everything about it, you may not have any life experience about it. And if you look in that, even look at something like the seminary, I think people look at the seminary and they don't think they have the correct direction about it, the correct thing about it. It's mm-hmm. not just to make somebody a priest or religious person. It's also discernment. You're in there for a period of time deciding, do I really want to be here or should I really not be here? And I think that's what the real value in you know building skills are. I worked with a, yeah. a painter all through uh, a house painter all through high school and college, and it was the single hardest job I've ever had. I learned how to you know all the different things you can do because he forced us to do them by hand. I also learned the value of what that dollar really takes. And I think there is so much value in that. And you know what I found out? I wasn't passionate about painting, but I made some money while I was doing it. So I think you have yeah. to really get good about some, get good at something, figure out how to make money with that thing. And that's where the passion comes in. You can't think, oh, I love this thing. I'm going to go do quilting the rest of my life. Well, good luck trying to make money on that if you haven't figured out how to really capitalize on that <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, uh... And, and you go from that, uh, and you, and then you talk about adversity, uh, and and how adversity uh, can create conditions to that results in, in somebody extraordinary emerging uh, from that. Uh, you know, that made me again think of my own life. Uh, when I was 17, I was in the car with my dad on my first leave from the Air Force, uh, and he he had a heart attack. And he and he was sick for many many years after that. Uh, but that year, uh, I was at the beginning of uh, the school for explosive ordnance disposal, bomb disposal in the U.S. Navy. I was an Air Force guy in the Navy at 17 years old. The school had a 50% attrition rate, even for the officer students. Uh, but that that moment, uh, that situation, what it did for me was it made me go, man, what if my dad doesn't get to see uh, anything else in my life because he passes away uh, other than getting through EOD school? Mm. And you know what? I almost failed out of EOD school and became one of that 50% uh, at six weeks into a, a eight-month school. Uh, and that's the idea. That's the thought as I went to retake the test that I failed uh, and have one more opportunity that I went after and I thought about the most was, man, I can't let him down. He's gotta, he's gotta see this. And it was that adversity that gave me that motivation and I used it to get through it and became what I wanted to be. Well, and, and I think too, there's, there's two different things to that. I think the first is if you look at that adversity, the, the thing I like to say is if you look at ancient times, a, a blacksmith, 
would put a piece yeah. of metal in there. It would be this ugly rot metal, and he would work it, and he would hammer it, and he would make it hot, and it would come out and be something totally different. That's exactly how adversity is. I guarantee that when you started that program, when you came out, you are two totally different people, right? You've, you've improved in some way. You've become yeah. sharper in some way, better in some way. And I think another really important thing that you hammered on there as well is if you look at, you know, you're, you're doing this for your dad. I think often there's things that we will do for others that we won't do for ourselves. And sometimes you need that external motivation. You need that thing that's going to push you. That you need that thing that's going to help you get there. And many times it's because we're willing to serve and willing to do things for others that will help us get there. And I think too often we make it about ourselves and how we're doing and our own suffering and our own position in life rather than, you know, who is this going to help or who can I make this make a difference for? And that can actually push people through so much if you're willing to find that. But adversity is something that's transformative. It will change you. It will make you better if you're willing to confront it. And I think there, there's people that will look at it in different ways. Somebody will look at the adversity and say, that looks way too hard. I'm going to go over this way. I'm going to watch TV. Whereas somebody else will look at that and say, this is going to be tough, but you know what? I could be the best in class when I come out of that. And it's the people that approach it for that, no matter how hard it is, no matter how long it takes, those are the people that are going to win in life. And that is frankly what our society wants more of. And frankly, it's what they're trying to take out of our society. Because if our society has less people like that and more people that are victims, we are not going to ever create anything great again. And that's the challenge right there. You just you just put that point right on the head of it, uh, is that we will never create another piece of greatness that this country has, has uh, the people of this country have, have, have created many, many pieces of greatness throughout our history, uh, even before we became a country, uh, uh, because we were a people that uh, were capable of seeing adversity for what it was uh, and uh, working through it to achieve whatever goal uh, as individuals and collectively. The Roman Empire fell in 476, right? And they had incredible things. They had aqueducts. They had these you know, beautiful mm -hmm. buildings. And in, in, in England, after the fall, you know, they go 300 years. So you're looking around the year 800 to 1,000. They were actually telling each other that, wow, giants must have lived here and legendary people must have lived here because they forgot how to do all these incredible things. Like, yeah. if we don't wake up, we're headed in a similar direction. Yes, we are. And unfortunately, we have to take another commercial break. <laughs> so uh, we'll be right back with Jerry Ryan Slate, author, uh, number one podcaster, uh, and uh, CEO of his own company here on The Rob Bainish Show right after these messages. Experts agree that cardio, muscle, and brain exercise are critical to overall health. But what if you discovered you were missing an exercise that the Surgeon General says was just as important? It's called Juvent, the first clinically proven micro-impact platform in the world. Juvent's clinically proven, patented technology discovers the right frequency of micro-impact for your body. Simply stand on it for 12 seconds and calibrates the Juvent to the uniqueness of your size and body mass. Brought up the webpage here of the Juvent uh, webpage so people know what we're talking about. It's a platform. Platform. It's a micro-impact platform, and uh, I, I literally use it every day. Knee pains and joint problems and back pains that they've seen resolve um, with using Juven. 
we communicate through story and it is what makes us human. And the thing that's really interesting is we've seen how media has changed. Media has become human again. We've seen the way we socially connect. We've seen the way we engage. And as things like Zoom calls, we've seen humanity be removed from so much of our interaction. Your audiences are dying for humanity. That's Jeremy Ryan Slate, uh, uh, who is my guest today uh, here on the Rob Maynard Show Live. Welcome back uh, to the Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the facts and the truth. And uh, uh, Jeremy, you made it easy for me because I like to use little video clips at the beginning of each segment. So uh, you have a pro- you're a prolific uh, content creator. Uh, but it's important content and that message right there. I actually went, when I was reading the, your book, I see that I saw that you apply that in the book uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, through your own story uh, uh, that's seeded throughout the book. And one of the areas in the book you talk about how your podcast originally. Uh, it wasn't really, uh, uh, and it, it's not really political now, but you, you didn't go into subject areas uh, that had to do with anything political or culturally sensitive, maybe, is the impression I got the way you told the story. But then during, during the pandemic and after, you realized that, that there were some things you were missing. So you started covering these things, but it led you to uh, going through a process with one of your mentors, I assume he's a mentor, David Breyer, uh, of actually writing down, what do you believe? Because, uh, you know, putting uh, guests on that you may or may not agree with uh, in sensitive areas like politics or culture uh, and those kind of things uh, led you to see a lot of things that you hadn't seen or experienced before the way I understood it. Uh, but the list of things that you wrote down on what you believe was really compelling. And that list, go ahead. No, you're, you're, I, go ahead. <laughs> and that, that list uh, was so compelling to me that I actually I printed those two pages of the book out because, uh, you know, did, it, did, did the exercise just help you solidify these ideas or actually reach deep down inside you and be able to put them down on paper uh, to come to the realization that this is what you really believe? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is, uh, I, I want to pull up this Chesterton quote real quick, too, because this is something that really hit me. He says, quote, I never discuss anything except politics and religion. There is nothing else to discuss. And um, when, it, when I look at it, I, I realized that I wasn't being true to myself. And I think when you look at it, the, the only thing you really have, you know, whether it be money, a home, children, family, whatever you have, the only thing you actually have is your own self-respect. That's the only thing you actually mm-hmm. have. When I looked at it, I wasn't truly being who I am and who I always am. And for me, these were things I always believed, but I never sat down and looked at it and looked at what I was doing and saying, are you being true to this? And I looked at a lot of what was happening in the world and I'm like, you know, people are being told they can't work and we're being told that, you know, we can't be social and we can't do these different things and we can't have opinions on it. I'm like, that's not helping other people survive well. And I don't agree with that. So for me, I had to look at it and say, okay, so here's what I believe. Here's what I'm doing. Those two things don't agree. So I needed to do something different. And I will tell you, Colonel, I lost a good 70% of my audience at that point in time because I was interviewing professional athletes. I was interviewing New York Times bestselling authors, but I wasn't making impact in the world, right? I was just 
getting another, you know, great person to talk to, another great conversation. But at the same yeah. time, I wasn't covering the issues that are important. You know, now we talk about cultural Marxism. We talk about building a family. We talk about right. things that are important to understanding the game board of your world and actually doing something with it. Because the game of life is hard enough. You don't know what the board mm -hmm. looks like. Is It's impossible. So I want to yeah. help people play the game of life well by knowing all the steps they have to know. And frankly, when I sat down and wrote that list down, I realized I was not being true to myself. You know, I was the guy that was reading Tom Clancy books at 10 years old. I was the person that, you know, grassroots campaign for Ron Paul in 2008. Being that other person was not true to myself. And when you look at it, that is the only thing you have left. So if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm being true to myself, I think that's important. Yeah, and that's when, uh, in the story about the Mike Lindell interview, uh, uh, where you started losing followers uh, and those kind of things. I don't know if it was based on purely that interview or not. That it surprised me. Well, people don't that like you talking about that Texas big a deal. <laughs> it, it, it surprised me that that it was that big a deal because when I see Mike Lindell, he's got a great story uh, of overcoming adversity, failure, almost. Yeah, you know, uh, 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 creating his own death due to his drug addiction and destroying his family uh, and those kind of things. And, and he comes out of it and overcomes it. Uh, so number one, it's a great story. Uh, and the stuff that he's working on, like voter voting integrity, is critically important to the survival of the United States of America. Critically important. Uh, uh, so, uh, I mean, I get it. The leftists don't like Mike Lindell because he's a Trump, and the Trump haters don't like Mike Lindell because he's a Trump guy and all that. And, and uh, uh, but he's very energetic, very, very engaging, and he does have a really compelling American story. Uh, and he cares so much about voter integrity and election integrity that he's he's putting his time, effort, personal time, effort, and resources and funding. Uh, and taking a lot of risks in order to try to solve that problem for his country. So it really surprised me that, that, they, that they, you know, that it was that big a deal for some folks, you know? I guess well, it, it, just... it was shocking to me. It, it really was. Like, I had people that had listened to me for years emailing me and calling me a white supremacist and saying all different things. I'm like, he sells yeah. pillows. Like, what do you, what do you want? Like, like, Mike Lindell, before all this happened, People seem to forget he was a frequent guest on, you know, Imus in the morning and a lot of these popular radio shows. He advertised on every big network. But when mm -hmm. he stood up what he stood, what he stands for, people did not agree with that. And I think the issue is, Colonel, we've lost cultural spaces. And when you look at it as a, as a conservative movement, we've lost cultural spaces. And unless we start to establish our own cultural spaces, we've lost the ability to express ourselves and be acceptable in polite society. That's how we're looked at now. Because the you know the the neo Marxists and and you know whatever's left of the of the left, they own Hollywood, they own radio, they own movies, they own TV, and there are no cultural spaces left where we can just be who we are. And that's why if you look at companies like, you know, the Daily Wire, or Timcast, or the Blaze, or you know Red Voice, they're out there creating something. They're out there building culture because if we don't do that, then you can be destroyed for liking Mike Lindell's story, which is an amazing story. And I think we have to really establish culture or we're in trouble.
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got to, and I think you're, you know, you're a leader of your generation uh, in this aspect, uh, and that is create content uh, that is not only compelling but it's attractive. Uh, in the sense that uh, uh, that it's uh, not just useful content, but it but it it, it helps people understand what's happening in their lives uh, and what's happening in their society, uh, and be able to take action on that. Uh, you know, you don't give recipes uh, uh, or prescriptions for people to live a certain way. You, you put ideas out there, uh, and, and that's what I meant in my opening. We need people that create. Uh, literature still. We need science-based minds. Uh, we need leaders in our society. Uh, and if we continue down the path that a lot of people want to keep going down, like the school systems that you talked about, like keeping that school system that was designed for an industrial revolution when we're in the midst of a technical revolution, a technical revolution, uh, uh, revolution, uh, then we will continue to create members of our society uh, that uh, go the wrong direction instead of the direction that we all know that are that think like us, uh, the, that our country should be going. And uh, hey, I hear you. I've been called a white supremacist, and I served my country for 30, almost 33 years, almost died for it, have had friends die for it. Uh, my, uh, I, I lost my best friend, who was a, a black man at age 33 or so to a strange disease that uh, he caught out in the tropics when we were out there flying together and uh, those kind of things. And when people say that kind of stuff to me, simply because I believe in uh, things like the values in the Declaration of Independence, uh, uh, the value of, uh, uh, of uh, you know, uh, equality of opportunity versus equality, uh, forcing equality of outcomes, uh, and those kind of things, and the, and the associated governments uh, uh, that goes with equality of opportunity versus uh, the uh, forcing uh, equal outcomes, uh, they are dramatically different. Uh, and uh, we need to continue to uh, to push these ideas and present them in spite of that adversary and that failure. And that leads me to, you talk about failure in your book, in your story, I, I think you hit on a couple of places where you you consider probably uh, in your life, your working life starting out that you may maybe had, con, uh, had failure. Hey, you know, a failure for me in the flying world uh, was what led to me to be a squadron and wing commander, which is uh, like the top 3% of all officers in the U.S. Air Force to get selected to command at the squadron and the wing level. Uh, and it was because I failed in pilot training uh, and had to become a navigator. That math thing, again, that I hated to do. But that failure uh, led to my greatest success in my military career. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and, and, you, and you kind of separate that out from adversary, adversity. Uh, in a separate category, and I think that was the right thing to do. And the interesting thing is that throughout my life, I hadn't thought about things like this uh, as I was going through it. I didn't even recognize them really formally until I read your book, Jeremy. Mm. Well, it, so it's well interesting. Done. It's interesting too, because you know, for me, you know, um, I was terrible at math too. But lucky enough, my math teacher was my wrestling coach. Um, so unless I was going to get through math, I wasn't going to wrestle, and that was that would be a real problem. But I think at the same time, we have to do things with an idea that we may not win. And why I say that? Because you're going to become better, you're going to become stronger, and you're going to become the person you need to be. 
And maybe that's not the opportunity, but maybe you'll find the opportunity just like you did as a navigator. So I think, frankly, to not try something because we think it's difficult is crazy. But our society does not want people to do that because they want to sell you a drug. They want to sell you an idea. They want to tell you something's wrong with you rather than tell you, some, tell you what's right with you. And I think that's what we should look at. We should be looking at what's right with us. What opportunities do we have? You know, what can we do? Because maybe we don't have another opportunity. But if we're not looking for opportunities, you're never going to find them. You know, somebody's not going to knock on your door and say, hey, you know, we're looking for somebody that's highly, highly qualified and could be a colonel. Is that you? No, they're looking for somebody that's working hard, that's put in the time, that look for opportunities where they can find them. And then when, when the time has come and they're ready to, you know, advance that next person, you're there for that. But unless you show up every single day, you're not going to have that happen. Oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, preparation plus opportunity uh, gives you the ability to step into that moment and be ready for it. That uh, uh, goes all the way back to the original concept, uh, I think, in your book, you know. Uh, well, we've got to take one more commercial break uh, before the last segment, Jeremy. But when we come back, uh, I want to talk about a couple of things. One of them is courage, uh, which uh, uh, is a common theme throughout uh, Jeremy's book, uh, From Unremarkable. Uh, to Extraordinary. And I'm Rob Manus. We'll be right back on the Red Voice Media Network. We interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833 833- 287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. I had met this woman named Karen Anderson, and she's a book coach, and she also works for Morgan James Publishing. And I reached out to her, I said, Karen, like, this is the experience I just had. I have so much faith in this book. Like, like, what do I do? What, what do I do to get this book out there? And she said, you know, I think this book is something Morgan James would be interested in. So I'm going to reach out to the publisher, David Hancock, and I'm going to see if, if they're interested in picking up this book. Comes back to me, she says, I got some good news. They're interested in your book. They're excited about your book. They handed it around to some people. They were interested as well. And this book, 
book was given new life with a company that has many Wall Street Journal bestsellers, New York Times bestsellers. So I actually ended up in a better position than, than I started in, which is great. And I said, I'm grateful to the publisher I had started with for the reason of this book was pulled out of me, right? Like I could not have written this book without help, but I'm in this incredible position now with Morgan James Publishing because I saw it through. I was willing to see it out there. And I just think there's so many people that have to see and hear this book. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show live here on the Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the facts and the truth, even if you don't like it. And our guest today is that man, Jeremy Ryan Slate. Uh, he was just talking about uh, his first book, uh, getting out there and getting published. And, and before we went to the break, uh, I, I mentioned the word courage and how that was a theme uh, throughout your book is that uh, people that become extraordinary have to have courage. And you threw in uh, uh, the other piece to that, and that is you have to go after something that uh, seems impossible. You know, I mean, I, I ran for the U.S. Senate two years out of the Air Force, and it seemed impossible. Uh, but you know what? I wouldn't be right here if I had not done that. You know, I wouldn't have actually gone into this. Uh, type of uh, professional out, outlook. So, uh, you know, but without courage, you don't have the ability to step up and try to reach for something that you know is, uh, is uh, uh, nearly impossible to get, but you do it anyway. Well, I think the thing that's interesting about that is like, oftentimes we do things in a way that, you know, we're trying not to harm our own personal safety. We're trying not to do something that's too hard. And when you do courage, you're looking at, things that are could be impossible, but you know what, you're going to go for it because the reward could be great. Or at the same time, you could be helping somebody in the way they need to be helped. Um, I, I love that clip that you played from when I was talking about my book um, on a podcast I had done about it. I actually had probably forgotten about that story. When my book originally came out, we were working with one publisher and we had a really interesting launch date for that book. I had was It was climbing up the Amazon charts. It was climbing up the Barnes and Noble charts, the Wall Street Journal charts. And all of a sudden, I had people calling me like 8 o'clock in the morning, like, hey, I can't get your book. What's happening? So I'm taking a look at it. I'd call the publisher. Nobody's picking up the phone. A few hours later, mm -hmm. it says, oh, my book is out of print. Like, what is going on here? So I get a hold of the publisher. It's finally like 1.30 in the afternoon. He goes, I'm going to have to be honest with you. Um, we had some legal proceedings yesterday. We actually just declared bankruptcy. And I know people are trying to buy your book, but it's actually not available for anyone. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? So what ended up happening is, you know, that story you saw about Morgan James Publishing, I had reached out to that company and they said, we're going to give this book new life. And it ended up being a better opportunity than I can have because I had courage to get that book out there. I had faith in that book could do well and, and I had belief in it. But you have to have the courage no matter what can happen, no matter what comes up against you, no matter where you fail, that it's going to go, you know, right for you. And I think when you look at it, the number one test of a person is his, his ability to make things go right. And somebody that truly has courage and is truly willing to put it out there, they will make it go right. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a phrase out there, and I, I don't know the exact quote, but you know, it's better to have tried and failed uh, uh, than uh, than to never try at all, uh, because without that those failures, you're you're never gonna create the opportunities to succeed. And I, I'm a person that believes that we create our own opportunities to succeed. Uh, and you talked about your interview with General David Petraeus in your, in your book. Uh, did you get heat for interviewing him? I'm just curious. 
so I didn't initially because that was kind of before he was like uh, complaining about uh, everything going on in Ukraine right now and telling uh, us we're going to win a war we can't win. So I didn't I didn't get okay. that one because it was kind of before he had uh, said some things he probably shouldn't have said. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, a lot of people think uh, senior military officers are infallible. Uh, uh, those of us that have, even those of us that have gotten uh, right there at the at the first step, uh, realize that uh, when I get up in the morning, I put both legs in the the legs of my britches and my pants, just like every other person does, you know. Uh, so my point with that is, uh, people make mistakes, and people sometimes are wrong, even when they're uh, really. Uh, high intellectual, uh, successful in their profession, which General Petraeus is. Uh, I, you know, I have some issues with him too. The whole Ukraine thing. I think we're completely on opposite ends of the spectrum on that. But, uh, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't uh, and can't provide valuable insights into his experiences. And one of the things that I got out of that when I was skimming that part of the book uh, was he, where he talked about luck. Uh, and I've had the same exact thing happen to me. Wow, man, that Manus guy, he sure lucked out, didn't he? Uh, but mm -hmm. General Pre Petraeus had a way of, of putting it uh, that described how that luck happened, I think, in his philosophy, didn't he? So I don't remember the exact quote on this, but it's, it, the point is like the, the number of times that you show up and the number of times that you keep doing something, you're bound to get lucky, right? And I, and I think if you look yeah. at anyone you know that claims to be lucky, they probably tried more times. They probably put in more effort. They probably showed up more often. And and I think that is what actual luck looks like. You know, that's it's you can be lucky or you can be good. And right, being good is eventually going to make you lucky because if you're improving and getting better, you're going to get lucky. And I think that's what it really comes down to is giving yourself more chances, showing up more often, attempting things more often. You know, if you if you look at some of the successful entrepreneurs out there and ask them about different businesses they've started. You hear about the one time or two times they were successful. You don't hear about all the businesses they failed at, all the ones that didn't work, all the times they yeah. lost their house. You hear about the business they won. You hear about the overnight success. You don't hear about all the time they put in. So if you want to get lucky, show up more often, show up better, and continue to give yourself chances, right? If it's yeah. that you get three strikes every at bat, you better be swinging at all of them if they're a good pitch. Yeah, it's kind of like Abraham Lincoln. You know, everybody remembers that he was elected president of the United States the first time and the second time, right? But uh, nobody remembers all the failed political races that he didn't win, uh, and there were many, many, many of them. I mean, he won a few uh, lower races, but but he ran many more times uh, than he won. Uh, 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 so it's the same kind of thing, you know. It's uh, uh, but but Petraeus. Able to say that, I think, uh, you know, he goes, yeah, yeah, I guess uh, there is some truth to that, that when people said he sure was lucky because I showed up, I was prepared over and over again. So I was lucky to have that opportunity come to me because I kept showing up and I kept being prepared, uh, and, uh, uh, which I think is a good description of how life works. Uh, if you are at that moment, or that level where you're able to, whether you get, whether you actually do it or not, but you're at that level performing where you can become extraordinary, which I think is a, it's a pathway up a hill, of course, uh, but anybody can get there the way mm -hmm. I understood your book, Jeremy. Well, and I think something that's really important too to that as well is like, you know, life is long, life is hard, you know, and I think the mm -hmm. thing you have to Remember, is life is going to beat you up sometime. 
And one of the things I struggle with the most, Colonel, is, is remembering the wins. So something I always try to do is I always try to write down those wins. I always try to save those times I was successful. Remember the good things people have said to me because there are going to be times that that's not going to happen. And you need to have those things to look back on. You need to have the ability to look back on those wins because so many people get stuck in the losses and the losses tie them down and that's the end of them. You have to remember the wins. The losses are going to come, but hopefully eventually you're showing up more often and winning more often than you're losing. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, one of the things that I try to do is remember the wins that were inside the losses. If I find myself focusing on the loss, I, I, I force myself to think about all the little wins that we, that occurred inside that process, because invariably there's many more of those than, than, than the pieces that led you to fail or whatever it was that you do in the first place, man. Uh, well, I, I certainly appreciate Tell folks uh, how they can get the book. Uh, we can get the book still, right? In print. Yeah. Head over to uh, getextraordinarybook.com. Um, or you can check me out. I'm uh, over at jeremyryanslate.com, and it's going to be the best way to find me, find the book, or, or check out my show. Okay, I appreciate it, man. Uh, before, as we leave, though, uh, I want to say that America was, is made up of people that had courage, had the courage, as you describe in your book, but also understood that creating and reaching for goals that might be thought impossible is a fact of life in this country, from the expansion of the United States to the West, uh, from uh, the the uh, the good thing that came out of it as a united country in that terrible war called the Civil War, to going to the moon, putting the space station up, uh, to uh, uh, you know working hard to solve poverty. I mean, that's what it's all about. And I think this book, folks, go get it. Get copies for your children and their children. Uh, and join us out here in the extraordinary, because that's where Jeremy Ryan's slate is. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to be at that point at least once in my career life and looking forward to the next one because we're working hard. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you. Colonel, thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, and I want to get you back. And we do a one whole show on Rome, on the Roman Empire. Uh, because you are an expert in that. <laughs> I would absolutely <laughs> I love to do that. I hope you'll, I hope you'll come back for that. Uh, I'll work with your scheduler to get that done because I want to do a whole show just on that because I think it's very important, uh, uh, even though it's being talked about that men are thinking about the fall of the Roman Empire every day on social media somewhere, I think that's something called X or something like that. Uh, but that's, that's not why I want to talk about where my wife saw that pop up somewhere and she goes, honey, you're suddenly relevant. I'm like, I hope I was. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the real reason. Uh, the real reason is uh, I'm curious of what you learned in your master's program, uh, number one. But number two, I think, I think Americans today need to learn some lessons from the Roman Republic experience and then the empire that followed and why things didn't turn out as well as they could have. And they could still exist today, but they don't. Yes. All right, man. Thank you very much. God bless you. My best to your family. And uh, we'll see you next time. It sounds good. Thank I'm you Rob so much. Manus. I'm Rob Manus. That was Jeremy Ryan Slate. Go get his book uh, because it's a great read. And it's a quick read, too, but it's full of valuable information that all of us can learn again or learn for the first time. Uh, uh.
I highly recommend it. I'm Rob Manis, Red Voice Media Network. We bring you the facts and the truth, and Tucker Carlson is still laughing. <laughs> Biden and his cronies have lost over $3 trillion of America's retirement savings in 2022 alone. With inflation running rampant and the stock market crashing, do you have a plan to protect your wealth? Our friends at American Alternative Assets help you protect your retirement savings by rolling over your IRA or 401k into a gold IRA. Fact is, you can hold physical gold and silver in your retirement account while maintaining its tax-deferred status. Visit protectfrombiden.com today to get your free wealth protection guide. This guide will give you all the answers you need. American Alternative Assets is an A-plus and accredited member of the Better Business Bureau. Protect your savings now before it's too late. Visit protectfrombiden.com. Individual results may vary. There is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. that Juvench is helping me to get better every day in every way. That impact is what has been shown to help improve your bone density. Without that impact, you're missing a very important nutrient in your physical conditioning program. The Juvent Micro Impact System allows the person to create more joint range of motion. Now I know there's a chance that nourishment can take place to that joint. me and you want to be prepared for the unexpected. That's where the wellness company's emergency medical kit comes Over in. 40% of Americans say that they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. Medical emergency kits with ivermectin. The kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand in the event of natural disasters, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, or like an apocalyptic situation. These are the actual medications that you would need in the event of certain situations. So they've got emergency antibiotics, antiviral,